At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all please be seated and good morning. You will not die. When you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. You will be like God. I don't know if you remember my sermon from last Sunday. It is on YouTube. It is on a podcast, iTunes, and Spotify. I don't know if you remember my sermon from last Sunday, the last Sunday after the Epiphany, but we talked in that sermon about likeness. Likeness. The collect of that day said this, Oh God, may we be changed into your likeness. We talked about how that, we, we, we talked about the first time in our story, our story called the Bible, we talked about the first time that that word likeness pops up in our story called the Bible. Genesis 1 6, let us make humankind in our image and in our likeness. In our likeness. We talked last Sunday about how the church mothers and the church fathers said, oh, our journey into God, our journey into God begins with image. And our journey into God ends with likeness. The Christian life, the human life is a journey, a pilgrimage, un viaje. In Latin, it's peregrination, peregrinatio. The human journey is, uh, the human life is a journey, the Christian life is a journey deeper into God. And at the beginning of that journey, we are God's image. But at the end of that journey, the church mothers and fathers said, we are God's likeness. Today, I want us to think a little bit more Today on this first Sunday in Lent, I want us to go a little bit deeper with this notion of likeness. Because guess what? That idea of likeness, let me hear you say likeness. This idea of likeness, it pops up again today. Did you notice? It pops up again today on this first Sunday in Lent. What does the serpent slash dragon, the serpent slash dragon, what does he say to the woman the sermon today is not going to be about gender. I hope that no one will get distracted. Maybe, maybe next year. Maybe next year. But what does the serpent slash dragon say to the woman 
in our story from Genesis 2 this morning. The serpent slash dragon looks at her and, he, and says, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. Did you hear that? You will be like God. Maybe you could circle the word like in your service leaflet. Maybe you could mentally circle the word like in your service leaflet. You will be like what? Like God. So there it is again, right? This is the second time that this idea of being like God, likeness, this is the second time that it pops up in our story called the Bible, likeness, the likeness of God. So what does the, the, the serpent slash dragon say? It's sort of like near the end of the Old Testament lesson, maybe the fourth or fifth line from the bottom. He says, you can highlight it, you can underline it. He says, you will not die when you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. Question, are those words true? Hmm, I wonder. Are those words true? You will not die, for when you eat of the, uh, of the fruit, you will be like God. Is that a true statement? The, these words that come out of the mouth of the serpent slash Dragon, I'm so glad you asked because that's what I want to talk to you about for the next few minutes this morning. I want to talk to you for the second Sunday in a row about likeness and what it might mean to become like God. Pop quiz. Who can tell me what LOL means? Ah, good. What about IDK? There you go. What about TTYL? There you go. You know what those are called? Those are called shortcuts. We live in a world, we live in a culture that loves shortcuts. Guess who else loves shortcuts? The serpent slash dragon. In our gospel lesson, our gospel lesson, he tempts Jesus, the same serpent slash dragon, yeah, because the Bible's a story. Does that mean that I don't think it's true? No, it doesn't mean I don't think it's true, but it is a story and in this story, it is the same character. It's the serpent slash dragon in our gospel lesson that tempts Jesus. And he loves shortcuts because in Matthew's version of the story, he tempts, tests Jesus, the new Adam, with three things, right? The serpent slash dragon tempts Jesus with three things, nourishment, safety, power. Now, are those good things or bad things? Those are good things. Those are good things. Did God the Father want Jesus to receive nourishment? Did he want his son Jesus to be safe? What about power? Did he want Jesus to have power? Well, have you ever heard the statement, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, have you ever heard in the New Testament how it says that Jesus is king of all? That sounds like power to me. Of course, God the Father wanted to give his son those things, the nourishment, the safety, the power, but God the Father wanted to do it in his own time. In his own timing, Jesus... His job, his role, was to wait for it. To wait for them. The nourishment, the safety, the power, to wait for them. To be patient, 
to depend upon his father, to wait on God's timing. And unlike the first Adam, guess what? Jesus was faithful. He was patient. The second man and the last Adam did wait for his father. He did pass, pass the test. Now, all of that is true for Jesus, the second Adam. What about the first Adam? What about the first Adam that we hear about this morning in Genesis 2 and 3? What about him? Why did God take one tree in the garden and point to it and say, don't eat from that one? Is it because God was withholding good things from his son, Adam? I don't think so. I think that God was always planning to give to his son, Adam, the fruit of that tree. To quote St. Paul, will he not freely give us all good things? Surely that would include the knowledge of good and evil. Surely that would include having eyes that are open and not eyes that are closed shut. What's going on in this story about the first human beings in the garden is this. The serpent slash dragon is offering them a shortcut. And they fall for it. They fall for it. They give in. They refuse to wait. They refuse to wait on God's timing and instead they grab. They grasp. They insist literally on taking the matter and taking matters into their own hands. And well, ever since then, the world has been a very broken place. Instead of waiting on God and God's perfect timing, instead in that garden, they opt for a shortcut and the result, did they become like God? That was the serpent's claim slash promise, right? If you eat of this fruit, you will become like God. Okay, did they? Well, let me ask you, let me ask you. Does God allow an outsider to enter into his family and to destroy their unity and love? Doesn't sound like they're becoming like God to me. Does God practice blame shifting and hurl accusations at his loved ones? Because that's what Adam and Eve started doing. Doesn't sound like becoming like God to me. Does God feel the need to hide from others because of his shame? Adam and the woman did. So what do you think? Did they become like God by eating that fruit? Was the serpent slash dragon telling the truth? I think not. You see, the shortcut, it didn't work. It didn't work. See, do you want to become like God? Here's the first way this morning on this Lent one. Do you want to become like God? Here's the first way this morning. Refuse shortcuts. Say no to shortcuts. Reject shortcuts. Now, speaking of hiding and shame, Let's consider a second way to become like God. See, I'm preaching a sermon this morning on becoming like God. Let's consider a second way in addition to refusing shortcuts. Because, you know, this story in Genesis 3, it is so strange. Uh, it, it is full of mystery. It is full of conundrums. And it's so easy when we read this story in Genesis chapter 3. It is so easy to bring our assumptions to the text to bring our projections 
to project all sorts of stuff onto the text. For example, it's easy to read this story in Genesis chapter 3, this story of the fall. It's easy to read it simply in terms of sin and punishment. But what if we read it in light of today's psalm? What if we read this story in, Gen in Genesis chapter 3 in light of today's psalm, Psalm 32, verse 3 of Psalm 32, while I held my tongue, my bones withered away. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. You see, Psalm 32 is about confession. This psalm is about telling the truth about yourself. This psalm is about admitting who you really are. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly. This psalm is about coming clean. Taylor Swift, I'm slightly embarrassed right now. Taylor Swift has a song called Clean. The lyrics are utterly riveting. This psalm is about coming clean with God. Coming clean with others. Most of all, perhaps, coming clean with yourself. This psalm is about speaking your own truth. Being honest about what's really going on inside of you. What a wonderful Lenten theme. This psalm is about not hiding. Not hiding your sins. Not hiding your inner beauty. Not hiding your true identity. This psalm is about coming clean. Coming out of the closet. The closet of sin. The closet of denial. The closet of shame. But look at Adam and the woman. What's the first thing they do after they betray the love, their loving God? Look at Adam and the woman. By the way, her name isn't Eve until later, so it's, it's the woman. Eve is a redemptive name. That happens, after, that happens later, okay? What did Adam and the woman do immediately when they betray their loving God, when they betray intimacy with their heavenly Father, when they eat that fruit? What's the first thing that happens? What do they do? They hide. They hide. They go back into the closet. They make loincloths out of fig leaves and they hide from each other and they hide from God. Question, does it sound like they're becoming more like God? Does it sound like the fruit is making them more like God? Not at all. That is what the serpent slash dragon said and promised but not at all. It is the very opposite. To become like God, and this is the second way we tell the truth. To become like God, we admit our beauty and our brokenness. And speaking of brokenness, I want to close like this. Do you remember the first part of what the serpent slash dragon told them in the garden. Do you remember the first part? It's very short, very simple. You will not die. You will not die, he says. He looks at the humans and he says, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely not die. One last time I ask you, was he correct? Was he telling the truth? Was he being faithful? Was he right? Was it the case that Adam's deed bypassed death? 
It's a weird story. You got to pay close attention. Was it the case that Adam's deed bypassed death? That is what the serpent slash dragon said. Was Adam's seed a deed? Was Adam's deed unconnected to his death? That's what the serpent claimed, right? Did Adam, in fact, escape death? That's what the serpent promised. You'll live forever. You will not die. Did Adam escape, escape death? Well, at first, you might think so, actually. Like, I remember reading this as a little kid. I kept thinking, well, he didn't die, right? I mean, at first, you might think so. After all, the man and the woman did not physically die on the day that they ate that fruit. Adam did not die on that day. Neither did the woman. Adam did not die in the third chapter of the Bible. He died many chapters later. Quick Bible quiz. Do you remember when Adam died? What book is it in? It's a trick question. What, in what book of the Bible did Adam die? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See, I'm not talking about the first Adam, Romans 5. I'm talking about the second Adam. What I'm trying to say is this. Adam did die because of that fruit. He died on the cross. The serpent slash dragon was false. He lied to Adam when he said, you will not die. Did Adam become like God? That, that's what the serpent promised. Did Adam become like God? Well, not when he took the shortcut. Not whenever he went back into the closet failing to speak his own truth. Again, let me ask you, did Adam become like God? He became like God in only one way, and it was when he died. That's the only grain of truth in the serpent slash dragon's words. It's the only grain of truth in his words, in his promise. Actually, Adam did become like God, but in the most unexpected way imaginable. Death. You see, the serpent slash dragon forgot something. He forgot that we have a God who dies. Am I wrong? John 10, 18, Jesus says, I lay down my life of my own accord. I've received this command from my father. John 15, 13, no one has greater love than this than he lay down his life for his friends. The devil forgot that we have a God who dies. We have a God whose very nature and character is to lay down his life for others out of love, to lay down his life for his friends. You shall not die, says the serpent slash dragon. Instead, you'll be like God. He got it exactly backward. He got it exactly backward. You will die, he should have said, because it's going to take death to redeem what's been lost. You will die, he should have said, and it's in that way that you will become like God. 
Here's what he should have said. When you eat of the fruit, you will be like God precisely because you will die. The serpent slash dragon looks at Adam and he says, you will be like God. See, I'm trying to preach a sermon about being like God. Second Sunday in a row. Do you want to be like God? Lay down your life. Practice dying. We heard it in the sequence hymn. It was awesome. I can't quote it. Do you want to be like God? Practice dying. Learn to put others first. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. That sounds like death to me. Not the death of the first Adam. The death of the second Adam. He died on that other tree, the tree of life, also called the cross. What? The cross is the tree of life? Yeah, exactly. What is this life? To talk about that, we'll have to wait for Easter. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.